Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through His Word. Be blessed. Greetings, everyone. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, my name is Alan, so I'm filling in on this podcast for Scott, and I'm here with Laura Martin, Scott's wife, and we're going to try a little bit of a different format today. Um, Hopefully you've heard Laura and I on a few podcasts with Scott, but we'd like to start a series where we ask people to share their testimonies. So we thought, what better person than Laura to share her testimony and give a little bit of background on where she was at before she got saved, how she got saved, and sort of her walk with the Lord. Her and Scott have been in ministry now for over 30 years. It's just a really powerful example of a changed life that Jesus can bring to an individual um, and all the all the people that they can reach through that life. And if you haven't heard before, um, Scott and I um, introed it a little bit, but Scott was my old youth pastor when I was about 12 or 13. So I've seen him and Laura, um, just their ministry grow and, and the way they've just handled themselves and the testimony that they have in their life. I've got to see it now for, you know, going over 30 years, so it's just been a blessing to me. So, Laura, let's just start with where were you at? What was sort of your background before you came to Christ? And then we can sort of go to how you actually got saved. Yeah, thanks, Alan. I was raised in a Catholic home. We did have faith in God. We were raised to believe in God and to understand that Jesus was the Savior of the world. We went to church faithfully every Sunday morning. We would sometimes arrive late and leave early, but we did our duty to be there. And that was really the extent, other than celebrating some of the major holidays, Christmas and Resurrection Sunday and some things like that, where there was an emphasis and maybe some extra church services. I also went to Catholic schools. In the Catholic Church, you have some milestone events. One is your first Holy Communion. It's the first time they feel that you're old enough to take communion. And I was around six years old, and you get a white dress, and it's a big thing in the Catholic Church. And I remember during that time just closing my eyes when we would sing, and it was very heartfelt. It wasn't just a ritual for me. I I really wanted to know God. But as soon as that event's over, you go back to your routine. And then again, when you're 13 years old, something similar to a Jewish bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, we have something called confirmation. So you go through some classes and they remind you of the tenements of the Catholic faith. And during that time, again, I was so serious. I would close my eyes when we would sing and my friends would jab me. They thought I was asleep. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm, I really, the words are so powerful to these songs. And I really wanted to make sure I wasn't doing this confirmation because I was told to do it, that it was really from my heart. But again, as soon as it was over, you just go back to your life and it's just minimalized your faith and everything else is more important in my experience. And so when I was 16 years old, a girl came to my high school She had been raised in a government school, public school, we say here in America. So her mother transferred her out of that school 
over to my all-girls Catholic high school, and she was the very first born-again Christian I'd ever met. I'd never met someone who had come to that place in their life that they realized they could never be good enough, that it was their faith was based on God's grace, and she had turned her life over to God, and it showed. I mean, this girl was amazing, where just the sincerity of her joy, her consistency. And one thing that stood out to me is that everyone was on an equal footing in her eyes. In our school, we met in the downtown of Baltimore. And so people came from all over the city. So from different incomes and different neighborhoods and different races. And we tended to divide into groups. And there was snobbery in some groups and that kind of thing. But she was friends with everyone. And I was immediately just watching this girl. I hadn't even met her. She just shined like a bright light. So I pursued to try to have lunch with her because I wanted to find out what is the deal with this girl? She's so different. And so we sat down to talk and I just asked her boldly, what is it about your life? You're really different. And she started to share her faith with me. And she took me to the Bible, which was an obstacle in my life because when I went through that confirmation at 13, I asked the priest, where should I read in the Bible? I want to learn. And he said, do not open your Bible. It'll be too confusing. Just come to church on Sunday and we'll explain it to you. Yeah. The problem was that when you go on Sunday, they read a passage and a lot of times they talk about a social issue or they don't really take you through the Bible and explain it all the time. And so I felt like I was lacking in that area, but I didn't feel freedom to read it. It scared me when he said that. And so she's talking to me right out of the Bible. And I said to her, how do you know this? And she said, I read my Bible every day. I go to Bible studies. I said, "What? what's a Bible study? <laughs> I mean, I really didn't have any background in this. Mm-hmm. So she invited me to, it was an Episcopal church that had a Bible study for teenagers every Thursday night. And when she invited me, I still wasn't quite getting it because in the Catholic church, we had dances on Friday night. And that's the only way I knew that you gathered at a church was for a dance. And so I kind of thought it was just going to be a social event. And I get there and there's probably 40 to 50 teenagers with their Bible in their lap, ready to study God's word and do nothing but that. Like they weren't there to socialize. I was just stunned and I could not figure it out. Don't they have anything else to do with their life? (laughs) You know, it's a very confusing time of understanding that people pursue God on a daily basis in their own personal life, not through a mediator. That's what the Catholic Church is in essence. It's a mediator between you and God. The priest is a mediator between you and God. The Pope is a mediator between you and God. And I'm thankful that I was not raised to despise God or to have no faith in God. There was something there that there's some essence there in the Catholic faith, but there is a lot of added doctrine that is not biblical, and it throws you off, and it makes you feel secure. So I felt secure in my standing with God because I was a Catholic not because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. That's where there's a problem. Yeah, that's that can be a dangerous thing when, when you see that a lot now here in the West, and especially the seeker-friendly churches. You just sort of go in there feeling like because you attended and you're in a small group, mm-hmm. um, you're okay and everything's yeah. fine, whether or not you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life and had a personal relationship with Him. They almost give you the feeling that you can just live how you want and be comfortable, which is a dangerous place to, to right. be at. Right, and any 
church, whether it be the Roman Catholic Church or, you said, a seeker-friendly church or other denominations that pull you away from the scriptures, that's one, one of your first red flags. And I was pulled away from the scripture but felt I could live any way I want because I'm a Catholic, but I was in a lifestyle of sin. And now I see these young people, their lives were poured out to God. Their social functions were clean and holy. And I'm just in shock by this. And I wasn't quite getting it. And at the same time, it was interesting because my mother had a business out of her home and a lady was sharing the gospel with her. So we would try to talk about it, but we both thought that we were just trying to become better Roman Catholics. Well, about two weeks before I came to faith, my mother came to faith and she was just glowing and I was happy for her, but I still didn't really quite grasp it. It's it's just a confusing time. And so anyway, then a brother and sister from that Bible study invited me to a youth group on a Friday night. And again, I thought it was a dance. So I invited my brother. I said, you want to go to a dance at this church across town? And so we went and wow, I mean... This, what the scripture says that you're provoked to jealousy, I was jealous because I felt like these young people know the God that I've longed for. I even thought at one point about becoming a nun. It was the only expression I knew of how you would serve God in your daily life would be to become a nun. But these people were having a daily walk with God without some type of a radical change in their lifestyle of becoming a nun or some vocational thing. And so I go to this youth group and there's a worship band and the preaching, wow, it just cut to your heart and exposed everything you could think of about this intimate relationship with God. And I wanted what they had. I didn't really know how to get there. It took me some some months. But finally, it was actually on Resurrection Sunday weekend, 40 years ago. This is my 40th. Wow. Yeah, 40th yeah, right. anniversary. It's coming up here in uh, the U.S., the Easter holiday, Resurrection Sundays this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. So that brother and sister that took me to that youth group invited me to a youth retreat. And at the youth retreat, there was a speaker named Dave Reaver. You remember him? Mm-mm. Uh, He was a young man in the Vietnam War, and he was on one of these U-boats. They were coming to shore, and they were throwing grenades into the bushes to try to clear the enemy so they could exit the boat and come onto shore. Well, when he reared back with that grenade by his ear, a sniper shot it, and it blew up in his face. But it knocked him off the boat into the water. He should have died instantly. If that hadn't happened, he would have bled to death. But because it knocked him into the water, it was cooling that burning. Well, he lost half of his face, his eye, his nose, his ear. And they took him by helicopter with a lot of other injured soldiers. And in that hospital, they saved his life but he was severely disfigured. And then they evacuated them back to the U.S. And the first time he had a chance to see his wife, many of the other soldiers' wives were coming in. They were so disfigured, missing limbs and all kinds of things. The ladies were taking their wedding rings off and placing them on their husband's chest and walking out. Wow. And he could hear it, and he could hear his friends weeping. And he thought, this is going to be my fate, and he wanted to commit suicide. He was in terrible pain, the burns, you know, deep, deep burns. Well, his wife comes in. They were committed Christians before this happened. She came in. She kissed him, 
And he said, how could you ever stay with me? And she said, you weren't that good looking in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I made a vow before God to be committed to you and we will get through this. And that just transformed his recovery, although it was painful. And there were many times thoughts of suicide. It was a battle because of the pain, but they got through that. And he was the speaker at this retreat. And the whole time I'm thinking, my life was all about being popular, trying to be pretty, trying to have the most friends, going from one party to the next, having fun. And here I see a man who's been through this kind of torment, and he was the most joyful, funny person I'd ever heard in my life. And I thought that joy comes from his relationship with God, not from all of those things that, you know, were at the front of my life. And that was the weekend that I gave my life to God. And I said, Lord, I no longer live for myself. I die to myself, and I'm going to live for you because you died for me. Like, I just got it. It was all of sudden, all those months of meeting Christians and seeing people who had this commitment, and it just transformed my life. And so I show up to school on Monday morning. Now, I will have to admit, sadly, that I was a bit of a ringleader growing up because I had older brothers and sisters, and they were introducing me to a lot of ungodly activities. And then I was introducing all my girlfriends, who a lot of them were the oldest in their family, and they had grown up quite innocent, and I spoiled all that. So for me to show up on Monday morning, the ringleader of all the nonsense, and to say, God has changed my life. I'm turning my life over to God, and I'm not going to live like that anymore. And they really were just shocked. And behind the scenes, I heard that some of them said, this will never last. This is just an emotional roller coaster she's on, and da-da-da. Well, it really did last. Yeah, 40 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 40 years later. So you'd say after that that service, you just knew you were you were saved, you were secure. Yeah. You kind of got it then, and then you saw the life change mm-hmm. in your personal life when you got went to school that month. Right. Yeah. And I I really knew that I needed to dig into God's word and find out what a righteous life was all about. I really didn't know. I'm, I'm from a background. My family, both of my grandparents were divorced, which is quite unusual. And my lifetime, you know, I mean, my generation, and it was due to alcoholism. And that carried through through a lot of the family. And although all those people did believe in God, but they just didn't make that lifestyle change because they were pulled away from God's word. You're not confronted with it. And so when I really made the surrender, I said, I need to get and dig in and find out what does God expect of my life? I knew what I was doing was wrong. And so I did a, started a Bible study in my home and I decided, let's study the book of James because I asked my youth pastor at the church, where would I start? And he said, well, maybe the book of James would be a good place because it's, don't be confused that it's saying that this is a life of good works, but it's a life of faith reflected in your good works. And so I needed to know what that's supposed to look like. And that was a great suggestion. So a lot of new believers, I say, get into the book of James and compare it to your life and some things will start falling off. And so I had a couple friends and we started studying the book of James and I would call my youth pastor 
pastor and ask him questions each week before I taught, and it was transformative. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and I think um, that's a great uh, piece of advice for anybody that's a new believer, or if you know someone that is, just get them in the Word. You mm-hmm. know, we, we talked about it a little bit before this podcast, but it's really simple. It's prayer, reading the Word, it's fasting, and mm-hmm. it's just following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and it's, yeah. you know, it's not a complicated thing, and I think sometimes we, we want to make it complicated because we go back to that let me work hard for it, let me work yes. at it. And there is a little bit of discipline and study, mm-hmm. but that comes through the fruit of the Spirit, you know, self-control, you're, right. you're disciplined, and you have that ability, mm-hmm. you know, once you become a Christian. So I think your track is, is really unique, and it's very special because you have been in ministry for 30 years. So after getting saved at 16, when would you say you knew that you were called to live a life of service for the gospel and full-time ministry? Yeah, that's a great question, and it also goes back to what you said is the basics, So soon after I came to faith, I would come home after school, and my mom had started working. I'm the youngest of five, and she was always a stay-at-home mom. But as everyone left the house and there wasn't as much to do, she started working. So I would come home alone after school. And for some reason, I don't know why I picked this place, but I would go into my parents' bedroom and kneel beside their bed. And I just felt like kneeling, it wasn't a religious quote-unquote religious act, it was really my surrender. I really wanted to surrender my life to God, and I wanted it not to be about me anymore. I knew that the God of the universe was my Father now. It was an intimate relationship, and I wanted what He wanted. And so I would go through the Lord's Prayer, not in a ritualistic way. We were taught to pray it you know, many times after you went to confession, say the Lord's Prayer 10 times and you just zip through it. But this is, I was taking sections and I've kept this for 40 years. Every morning I wake up, our Father, you're in heaven, holy is your name. And I take a time of praise. And then I take a time of thanksgiving. And then when you come to the part, your will be done. I really pray, God, I want what you want for this day, for the coming months, the coming years, whatever it is. And so it was at that time of real surrender of me saying, God, what do you want? And I was at that age where you're starting to look at colleges and think about what you want to do. And I had a miraculous vision, and it happened three times at that kneeling spot on different days. Wow. And this vision was like I was seeing a, a video I mean, it was as clear, it was in color. You can't explain it outside of the Lord. And it was people from all over the world, different races, different costume, you know, national clothing, some type of clothing that distinguished them. I knew right away when I saw this picture, these are people from all over the world. And they were blank. Their faces had no emotion, no joy, blank. And I said, God, what is this? And it was just like I knew they've never heard my name. And I really didn't, had never thought about that because, like I said, I was raised to know his name, a glimpse of it, but to have never heard his name, to never heard of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus, the Messiah that died on the cross, I knew about all of that. The people in this vision, they never, never heard this name. And I didn't really know that reality that there were people out there in that condition. It came only really through this vision. So I started asking my youth pastor and some of the kids in the youth group that were very committed, strong believers. Oh, and I forgot to say, when I would have this vision, I would just weep. I just thought, 
how can I have all of this opportunity? And I squandered the little opportunity I had, but then God persevered with me and and really let me know that I could be intimate with him. And then these people have never heard. It just broke me and I just wept. And then when I would ask people, I'd say, do you ever weep over the people that have never heard the name of Jesus? And they'd say, no, not really. I never really thought about it. And I I didn't know it was anything special or unique to me. But the more I asked people, I thought, well, I need to find out what is going on here, you know. So anyway, I ended up leaving for college at 18 to move to Memphis, Tennessee. And it's actually ended up being my mother and father-in-law were the pastors of the church because <laughs> their handsome blonde son <laughs> was in the church and we ended up marrying. But when I first got there, he and I barely knew each other. It wasn't anything to do with them. I was suggested this church. It had a large college and career group. And one thing that was unique about this church was many young people out of this church and the church they pastored before that went into full-time ministry because they had an emphasis on reaching the world with the gospel, and they had many speakers in. The first time I heard a speaker that was taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, I said, oh, that's it. God was calling me. I just didn't get it. Well, now I'm committed in this college, and I had a sports scholarship. So, you know, I didn't really at that time know what to do, even though I understood the call finally. How do I prepare for it? And I really didn't know the Bible that well. I was trying to learn and grow. But in that first two years of college, it was slowly coming into my mind and my heart you need to set yourself apart for preparation. And so I decided to go to Bible school. And that was a hard conversation with my dad because he was a super duper sports guy and he Mm -hmm. hadn't been born again at that time. And to say I'm giving up a full scholarship (laughs) to play the dream sport that he loved to go to Bible college didn't set real well with him, but God provided. I paid my way through those last two years and got a Bible degree. And from that point, you know, really starting probably when I was 18 and started going to that church, that was the path I was on. I wanted my life to be set apart, committing myself to reaching people with the gospel. And God's provided the whole way. It's been an amazing journey, and I feel so blessed to have met a husband that had the same call. No, that's incredible. Yeah, and you hear hear different stories, and hopefully we'll get some more of these out um, on the podcast of just God's very personal. He's very individual. Yes. He knows how to speak to us even when we don't think we need to hear him or we don't want to listen. Yeah, but for him to give you that vision and to see that and, and you to respond to it um, in whatever way he speaks to us, but you are willing to respond and say, this is what I want to go after, what your heart's after. Yeah, and that's just, that's powerful. And that's that's what it takes from us is that seed of faith and saying, God, this is your life now. What do you want me to do? So maybe in closing, you were saved at 16. You know, you've lived this life of ministry, serving Christ. Um, what, are, what are maybe some tips that you could give someone that's hasn't come to the faith yet, that's thinking about it, or maybe mm-hmm. someone brand new to the faith, maybe some things that you wish you would have had, or maybe some nuggets you wish you'd have known that, you know, maybe nobody shared with you, or you just didn't know at the time. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, one time I was on a trip, we were driving between France and Spain. We, we had met some people on our way back from India one time, and we got caught up, which we thought was fog, but we were going up this very tall mountain and it was the clouds. I didn't know it. 
and we were nervous, the moms. We had kids in the car, and you couldn't really see. And the husbands kept saying, we'll try to find a place, but there was no place to stop. And all of a sudden, we broke through those clouds, and unbelievable, the brightness of the sun, snow-capped mountains everywhere. And it was like, at that moment, that's what God said to me. You were in the clouds. I was always here. I was that close you just had to break through those clouds and wow. see me in my fullness. And so that's what I want to tell people. If you've yet to be born again, he's right there. He's waiting for you. And we all have that yearning to know God, to be at peace with God. And when I broke through those clouds, not figuratively, I mean, not literally in that spot when we were driving, but figuratively, when I surrendered my life to God that one weekend, was when I broke through those clouds and came into this brightness of joy, peace with God. I don't walk in fear. God has changed my life, not just from sin to righteousness, but just from emptiness to fullness as well, you know. And so I just encourage you, don't be complacent in your relationship with God. Start to talk to God, speak to Him, and say, God, I'm giving my life to you. You did the work. You came. You died. You're waiting for me. But I have to take that step of surrender. And so I would just, sometimes people feel like, I can't reach God. I don't know God. Well, he's there. I'm telling you, he's right there on the other side of those clouds. And then once you are a believer, really to, it sounds cliche to say, start your day with prayer, but start your day with surrender and not just praying for others, but yes, that is a part of it. But praise, thanksgiving, surrender, repentance, forgiving others, more worship. That is the steps of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus took you through. And so study the Lord's Prayer and the different elements of it and begin your day like that. Studying God's Word, not just a verse here and a verse there. I study book by book because it's those are letters written for us. And so as you read a whole book and really study it, I use a full life study Bible that has notes that kind of help me if I don't understand something. I go to Bible studies, I ask a lot of questions, and then I get a full picture of what God's trying to say to me, and I act on it. Because when I come under conviction about something, and I do, I'm not perfect. I let little things creep in, but as God's Word is constantly in my heart. It's cleaning up my life. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned James because that's where he talks about be doers of the word and not mm-hmm. just hearers only. Yeah, so I think in, in closing, what I really got out of this, that 16-year-old girl that was um, a testimony to you, mm-hmm. and I challenge any believers listening, you know, you don't know who's watching your life. We don't know mm-hmm. who's watching our lives. And, you know, the joy that we have in Christ, the, the life-changing, life-transforming spirit that's in us, you know, no one else has that to offer except Christ. So by holding it back or, you know, I remember when I was in in high school, I'd get embarrassed and, you know, actually Scott would come into the lunchroom as a youth pastor (laughs) and I'd hide from him because I didn't want to be seen sitting with the youth pastor. But, you know, you never know who's watching you, just like you were watching that 16-year-old girl at that time. And imagine now the testimony of you in 30 years of ministry, 40 years 
you know, being saved and all of the people that you've touched mm. and lives that have been touched for, for God's glory through you because of her testimony and the way Amen. she was walking with the Lord. So I would just challenge anyone, yeah, you want to talk to people, you want to tell them about the gospel, but the most powerful thing that can have someone seek God is, is a life that's surrendered to Him and fully mm-hmm. surrendered to Him. So this has been um, great, Laura, and I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, I don't think I knew a couple things, even knowing you for 30 mm-hmm. years about your testimony. But yeah, I, th- I thank God for you um, in my life. And I probably wouldn't be here without you and Scott as my spiritual fathers and the life that you've lived. So I just think it's a beautiful thing. And, and all these things, you know, we talk about if you're if you're not a believer, you know, this isn't for us. This isn't about us. This is for His glory. And whatever He calls us to do, whatever He calls you to do, it's, it's not about you. It's about bringing more people to His kingdom so they can spend eternity with Christ and spend eternity, you know, with us in heaven and, and, and just the incredible blessing and day that's going to be. Um, and if you miss that in this life, you don't get a second chance. Mm. I think that was great. And if you want to close us in prayer, we'll close. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. You were a great host. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Father, for this time together in really celebrating your salvation. Lord, I am forever grateful of how you took a hold of my life and you turned it around and your word says you said my feet on higher ground. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for all those who invested in my life from my childhood, teen years, and even as an adult. I thank you, Lord, that people have been leading me towards you slowly but surely and helping me to be discipled and transformed by your word. And I pray, God, that as my life is set apart from you day to day, that I would be a blessing in the kingdom of God and a testimony everywhere that I go. And we thank you, God, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have been listening to this testimony, and you feel conviction upon your life, and you look at your life, and you know that you need the forgiveness of sins that only comes in the name of Jesus Christ, and you understand there's not two ways to God. There is only one way to God and only one way to stand righteous and holy before God, not by your works, but by his work on the cross in behalf of you, that he laid down his life for your sins. There is a relationship with God that needs to be established within your life that comes from the heart that will not come by anything that you can do, but it will only come by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read these verses for you. John chapter 10, verses 9, 10, and 11. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And if you will put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's salvation will come to your life and you will know God from the heart and you will know that your sins are forgiven because of what he has done for your life. And there will be this incredible relationship with God, a freedom that you have never, ever experienced before in your life, a freedom to know God, worship God, be in communion with God, and live for God by the power of God's Spirit. So today, put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He will bring about God's salvation within your life. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone that is believing right now from the heart 
and they're putting their faith and trust in you. Let there be such a freedom that comes forth that they will know that they belong to you. Let there be the forgiveness of sins within their lives and let them walk with a new heart understanding that they are a new creation and they are living in a new covenant established in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to their lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would also encourage you to contact us. Let us know what God has done within your heart. And then we will help you to try to find a good congregation in your area that believes the Word of God, that teaches God's Word, and that will disciple you in the things of God. God bless you. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.